dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Massage pass, a shot, they score! Shankly Cutter scores! What a stop by Hellebach! Nikolai Ehlers off the faceoff! Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Well, 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 what a difference a week can make for the Winnipeg Jets. Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined, as always, by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. we got a great show for you lined up today. As always, we'll go over the week that was. Uh, Four-game bad. We're out of the four-game bad stretch. Uh, Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets are seeing positive trends. Paul Edmonds will touch on that. The power play has started to show, show some life and some new looks as well. Mitchell will touch on that. Christian Veselinen's play will also be talked about. Logan Stanley's role and some great comments about uh, toughness, according to Paul Maurice. And uh, the guest today, well, it's not anyone in particular. Uh, this week's guest is a compilation of comments about Blake Wheeler and uh, the milestone that was last night on Sunday, uh, hitting 1,000 NHL games. So a great episode on tap for you. But Mitch, we'll start with you uh, a week in review. Uh, Obviously, the Winnipeg Jets don't get on the right foot here to start the week since you last heard from us on the podcast. A a very frustrating 1-0 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. But then they bring it back after some much-needed rest. An 8-4 win over the New Jersey Devils on Friday night. And then an emotional victory on Sunday, as I'm sure Jets fans are riding high on right now. A 6-3 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs at Canada Life Center. Mitchell, just uh, what were your thoughts on the week that was? victory <laughs> that's pretty much it it's uh hard not to think of that word um i mean obviously it was a like you said it was a tough start to the week where you do a lot of really good things against the arizona coyotes and don't really get the reward you essentially get goalied that night but i thought the thing that really stood out was paul maurice saying that listen they you know we had 26 i think was the number c level chances we have to get more b's and a's and I thought they did a lot better with that um, against the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, you, you put up eight. That's got a few chances in that game. Uh, and then you put up six against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, obviously, you're seeing a, a lot of positives right now. And But the biggest thing that I think came out of this week was rest. That was, I think, what the team needed more than anything. Um, after that game against the Arizona Coyotes, Paul... Maurice essentially commented on the fact that like, we know where we need to get to on the ice, just a half a step away. And that half a step is the difference between getting a clean shot on goal and maybe one that gets deflected off of a stick and ends up in off the netting or whatever it may be. So I think the rest has played a big part in this. They kind of came back to the rink, rejuvenated, had an optional skate on the Wednesday, had a full skate on the Thursday, and then they came out, I mean, on fire against the Devils. That one was not without its adversity. You go up 3-0, and then all of a sudden it's 4-3 New Jersey early in the second. But Jets really just, you know, put the pedal down and executed on the offensive side of things and then played a really solid third period. And that was a theme against the Maple Leafs as well. Like, as much as you'll always talk about the the four-goal outburst in the second period to turn a 1-1 game into a 5-1 game against Toronto, I think the third period... Uh, as much as, yes, there was some some rough stuff, some pushing and shoving, all that kind of stuff, I think the biggest thing you can take away from that is that the Jets actually controlled possession a lot more in that uh, third period against Toronto and didn't sit back on the two-goal lead. They kind of kept the pedal down to a certain extent 
and uh, did a lot of good things with the puck. So, you know, you go through a one, five and one, five and one stretch. And now all of a sudden you look at it, the jets have wins in three of four. So, I mean, it's obviously been a lot of, uh, a lot of positives over the last uh, week or so. And it's stuff that the jets are going to want to build on going forward here. Paul, uh, Mitch touched on some of the the positives that the Winnipeg Jets have started to show in their game. Just uh, can you identify what some of those things are that's led to the success? Obviously, from my perspective, this is a very different hockey team than what we had seen about for a two-week stretch about a week ago. So just what have you seen from the Jets that's allowed them to have some success at on the road and at home? Well, first off, I think that Mitch making reference to the rest has been the key to all of this. And I think we need to give some perspective before I answer your question, Tyler, on exactly what has gone on and what would lead to some fatigue and why you would have a team that would look like they're playing hard and can't get a whole lot done. It's just because mentally you're roasted. And while, gentlemen, we don't play, we do mirror the travel that the team has, and then we have to come back to our personal lives, and we know what we feel like when we get off the plane or off a road trip or get airdropped in for one game such as they did against Pittsburgh and then they have to roll back out. This team, including preseason, has made four trips to the West Coast. There will be a fifth coming up after this homestand is done. I mean, that is a two-hour time swing. You have those in the league, but usually the Eastern teams go out West and that's once, maybe twice for the whole year, over six months. The Jets have been out there now four times. It will be a fifth by the time they get to the end of this road or this homestand and the next road trip, which is Seattle and Vancouver. That swing in time zones takes it out of you. It's not like going over to Finland and you have that jet lag. I understand that, but that constantly bouncing back and forth. And I think that what happens is that the league sees geographically where the jets are located and says that this is an easy place to do it. Central time zone. You can flip between the East. You can go to the West. You can come back. You can go back to either one of those two sides it does lead to sometimes some travel and scheduling conundrums when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets being consistent. But they get the rest, and then all of a sudden, to answer your question succinctly, what has come back in the Jets game? Speed. Speed that absolutely burned the Toronto Maple Leafs for five odd man rushes in the second period of set of uh, Sunday's game alone that led to a couple of goals. In fact, on those odd man rushes. So they've always preached at the start of the year. One of the things that Paul had talked about getting his team to do because they had a few more key elements to getting that done on their back end in Brendan Dillon and also the addition of Nate Schmidt was to have quick retrieves. Then from there, it's a quick outlet pass and let's get going out of our own zone with speed. And the Jets have been able to do that. I think highlighted by Mark Shifley's hat trick on Friday. And then, of course, another six-goal outburst on Sunday. So 14 goals tells me that you're, you're coming in and you're hard to defend. The other part of this is, too, not only are the pucks going in the net, but you're funneling the pucks to the right areas to get them to the net and in. So that speed has come with also another layer of let's get the puck to the middle of the ice and to the net. And that's something that they've been harping on as well. Even going back to that series against the Montreal Canadiens, pucks to the nets, and then also getting men, people, bodies in front to create some havoc. So there's been a couple of things and it all comes off of rest. You're not that quick and you're not that fast if you're tired. 
And they've come out of that and they've been a lot quicker, a lot faster, and they've executed the way that Paul Maurice and the coaching staff has wanted them to do. And as a result, they've won two straight games and are looking to make a a real nice homestand here if they can get past Carolina to conclude it. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Mitchell, the power play has sort of been a calling card for the Winnipeg Jets over the last number of seasons. Uh, Jets fans don't need any reminder about the the lethal shot of Patrick Laine on that side for, for many, many years and how it ran through Blake Wheeler on the far side. But obviously, the success of the power play has been struggling a little bit this year. And then I believe it was early, midweek before the game uh, against New Jersey that Paul Maurice sort of had to <clears throat> talk about just how the power play, yes, it's gone stale and you sort of have to change your mindset in terms of how you can get it going again. And one of those things is sort of a motion-based concept and they're starting to rebuild that power play against New Jersey. They go one for four against Toronto. They go three for five. So they're starting to see some success there. Just how do you build on that motion-based uh, concept and just what have you seen from the Jets as in terms of putting that into action? Well, oddly enough, I think it goes back to exactly what uh, what Paul was talking about, and it's speed. You know, like, and it there's so many times you hear the guys talk about how you know um, you get speed in your five on five game, it translates to the power play, or vice versa. Sometimes you, you need one to get going before the other, but more often than not, if you're playing well at five on five, chances are you're going to be able to get things going on the power play. And when you're not as quick as you normally are, your puck movement isn't as good as it normally is. Your confidence is down a little bit. And then that slides into the power play as well. So they've made some uh, changes and you, you referenced Patrick Laine, of course, being that, that right-hand shot in the left circle and how many times there was that seam pass from Blake Wheeler that got through or the, you know, he set up from a, a pass from the point, you know, like they have a left-hand shot in that left-hand circle. Now it was Nikolai Ehlers a little while ago. Now it's Kyle Connor. Um, but you know, like that's not necessarily that one timer is not always going to be there. So they're going to have to move. So I look at uh, the goal that uh, Kyle Connor scored against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where it started on the right side of the ice with Blake Wheeler. He moves the puck down to the goal line to uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who actually slides around behind the net, moves the power play to the other side and quickly gets a pass out to Kyle Connor in that left circle. And there's the one timer. And that one went in and out of the net so fast. The officials didn't even know if it went in, but you could, you could kind of tell from the sound, but I mean, the officials have a job to do. They got to see it go in the net before they actually make the call. But I mean, the play pretty much stopped about five, six seconds later because the jets were celebrating and they all knew it was in. So um, you start to see that type of motion Uh, players switching spots, moving around a little bit. As much as you know, they're going to have their their set areas, especially on that unit with uh, with Pionk, Wheeler, Connor, Shifley, and Dubois. There's going to be motion, and they've been able to do it off the rush. Where Mark Shifley in the last two games has scored a power play goal, coming right down the right down the ice against the New Jersey Devils. It was coming up the wing uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was right down the middle of the ice for the final goal of the game for the Winnipeg Jets. An important. Uh, goal just to make sure that you know any thought of a Toronto Maple Leaf comeback was uh, pretty much quelled right there um, and then the other unit there's a real 
uh, chemistry between uh, Andrew Kopp, Nikolai Ehlers, and Paul Stastny, just the way they're able to work uh, generating a slot shot or getting uh, Nikolai Ehlers coming down the rails on that left side. So uh, lots to like about the Jets' power play. It's just a matter of getting that momentum going. Because as much as we talk about the the skid that they hit kind of from November 6th till through the, the Arizona game, where I think they only scored twice on something like 34 opportunities, just prior to that, they had gone through a run where it was like nine for 24 or some ungodly number like that. So, you know, it's there. Uh, you just have to generate things a little bit differently now based on the hands that you have, the personnel that you have. There's a whole lot of talent, but sometimes you just got to do it differently. And that's what they've been doing the last couple of games. Paul Maurice also mentioned this week that the the, pe- the penalty kills that they're seeing have just become more aggressive, and that seems to be the mm-hmm. standard. So that sort of plays into the, the fact that, hey, you need speed in order to have success on the power play. Uh, somebody else who's playing with some definite speed right now is Christian Veselainen. Paul, he uh, had a goal on Friday against the New Jersey Devils. He's been playing on that third line with Adam Lowry and Paul Stasny. Uh, the last two games, he's averaged 12 minutes, uh, which is – you know, much more than he's used to getting at the NHL level. Paul, just what have you seen from uh, 93 in the last few games? And how do you think he'll continue to progress and be a valuable member of the Jets? You know, Tyler and Mitch, this is interesting because we might look back on this and, and maybe pull this podcast out in a couple of years and say, boy, they were kind of onto something, but this was the infancy stages of the real coming out party of Christian Veselin. And, they have a lot invested in this player. I mean, he was a number one draft pick, a first round draft pick in 2017. And for various reasons, he just didn't move into the lineup as quickly as say Patrick line did and, and assume a NHL roster spot. I mean, he's had to pay some dues in the minor leagues. He went back over to Finland and now here he is. And they've asked him to play his offside, his right wing side. Now, Interesting also because when he was drafted, the book on him was that he could play left, he could play right as a left-handed shot. But when you ask Christian, he's never played the right side. So I don't know what scouting report they had erroneously on him about that. But this is a learning curve for him. So you talk about the minutes, you know, an average of around 12. He's played as much as 15 against Nashville. This is kind of a sweet spot for him. It's, It's better than eight but I'm sure he'd like to get to 16 or 17 at some point. And that is coming. This is a real good landing zone for him. This is the second time that now he's been pushed up the lineup a little bit from the fourth line into the third line on the right wing side. It seems that he's handling this new elevation again, a little bit better than he did the first time, which is always something in human nature that we handle better when you have some experience. But Christian's best assets are his size at six foot three, his ability to get on the puck because of his speed and he skates very well. And because of that, now he's got a little bit of confidence and he's shooting the puck more. And when you play with Adam Lowry and also Paul Stastny, how can you not help but learn how to play the game a certain way, especially the North American style? So all of these things are pointing to a coach that is now taking a player and putting them in the best position to succeed. And Christian is kind of running with that. There's always been this talk about him with that speed, with that size, he can get on pucks. Now when he wins the puck battle, he needs to roll off the boards and start making plays with it. And we're starting to see that. And as a result, that line has really gelled. And I think that he's found a comfort level on his opposite side as well. And if he can do that, 
and continued to be consistent that way, he's going to be consistent NHLer and maybe move his way up into the top six when there is more volatility with the lineup in the coming years because of contracts and, and situations like that. So I really like the way he's played. He's really emerged. He sees the opportunity. That's what you want from players as well. Give them an opportunity and let them run with it. And I think sometimes, too, that in some regard, they've just taken Christian. They kind of made sure that he was okay in that not coddled situation, but they made sure that he was looked after. Now they just threw him for a second time into the pool and said, here, swim, figure it out. And he has done that. And so they've given him a little bit of rope that way. And now the trust has come with the coach to put him in a situation where he's playing with a couple of really good players that he can learn from. So what he'll do is he'll understand guys how to play that game away from the puck. Also that physicality that comes with playing with Stastny and Lowry, but because of his skill set, he'll be able to add another layer of offense as he goes through once he has that foundation of his game. And I think two goals is what he has this year. We're looking at a guy that's probably going to get 12 to 15 in the coming years easily. If he continues on this progression, it's been a little sort of stunted and delayed to get to where he is. But all of a sudden, we're seeing this evolution of Christian Veselainen in the last couple of months. It was a special evening at Canada Life Center on Sunday as the Jets took on the Leafs. Uh, Blake Wheeler, obviously, skating in his 1,000th NHL hockey game. Uh, a fantastic evening. The presentation on the ice was great. Uh, very touching video featuring uh, some former Jets, including Dustin Bufflin and uh, Brian Little, and that got uh, the crowd roaring, as always. Uh, our guest today, like I mentioned off the top, isn't necessarily just one person. Uh, there's a few different voices you'll hear. You'll hear from Blake Wheeler himself, Paul Stasny, Josh Morrissey, Andrew Ladd, Brian Little, Paul Maurice, and then it'll close out again with uh, Blake Wheeler. Uh, some of these chats came in exclusive interviews uh, that Mitchell Clinton did. Uh, and if you want to read up on some of those chats as well, there's a fantastic article on WinnipegJets.com. What, what is it about? 2000 words, Mitchell? 2,500. 2,500. I didn't want to undersell you there. So uh, 2,500 words. Uh, but uh, here's a few from those gentlemen now. Hi, this is Mark Scheifele, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. In particular, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, my parents were a big part of my, you know, youth hockey and growing up and, and the way up. But, uh, you know, to share it with, you know, Sam and, and uh, you know, our three kids, um, you know, Sam, she's the only one that sees the day in, day out, um, you know, the, the highs, the lows, you know, she's been there for me. Uh, through it all so you know having her there uh that's that one that one means the most to me you know no, nobody knows what a thousand you know good days and bad days or in between has looked like other than her so um she's the one that i'm really looking forward to you know kind of uh, sharing that with that's insane i don't think people realize that i think it's it's kind of a the way he takes care of himself i think off the ice whether it's treatment whether it's diet whether it's sleep and then I think it takes a little luck too, because sometimes uh, you do get these fluke injuries, and you know, sometimes they're out of your control, and, and they happen. But for him, like whether he has it, sometimes he can play it through it. That's also toughness, where he plays through a lot of that stuff. And like you say, he doesn't play on the perimeter. I think he's a guy that he's a big, he's kind of like a skilled power, like kind of a blend between a power forward and a skilled guy. 
which is very unique in this league, but he goes to the net all the time. So, you know, when you go to those spots, when you're blocking shots, you're bound to get hurt sometimes, and he hasn't. So it's just, I remember looking at that last year, just thinking, you know, how cool, like, because I remember I came in probably a year before him, and I obviously missed some time, and uh, just thinking, you know, how fast he's gotten a 1,000 games, just, like I said, just shows the, the way he takes care of himself on and off the ice. I recall a time, uh, I think it was my second year in the league, uh, we were in Edmonton, um, I think the third game of the year, and we had just lost pretty bad at home to Toronto. And then I think we lost pretty bad in Calgary, and you know, we uh, nothing was really going our way. And uh, I was I had a couple minuses in those games, and I think in the Edmonton game, um, you know, first few minutes I kind of made a couple jumpy plays with the puck, which isn't super characteristic of me. And he just came up and said you know, do you know how good of a player you are? And this was at the TV timeout, and I was like, kind of like, well, I didn't know what to say. It's like, do you know how good of a player you are? Like, you know, like basically know that and just go freaking play. And, um, you know, it, it, it. we went on to win that game. I think it was a pretty tight score and kind of got our season rolling. And obviously we, we ended up doing very well and having a good playoff run. But for me, as a young guy, you know, for him to say that, um, our captain, you know, our best player, um, you know, leading the team in points, all those accolades and whatnot, um, you know, it just gave me so much confidence to just go play. And, um, you know, that's the type of guy he is. You know, he's he's going to tell you when you need a, you know, you, you need more or you need to step up your game. Um, but he's also going to, you know, give you a pat on the back and uh, try to give you some confidence when you need it. So, um, I've got most respect for him, and I think, you know, as a as a person, you know, who would I want to give me an honest answer, or who would I want to, um, you know, basically be there for me uh, if I needed it? It would, you know, it would be be Blake and, and someone with that character, really. Yeah, I mean, there's like I think for for us, the unique aspect of being drafted the same year, um, so kind of having. Obviously, you have different journeys, but um, played a, a lot of years together and, and seen the transition from him to, um, you know, trying to figure out who he was as a player and, and the impact he could have into becoming, you know, a star on a team and, and being able to stay at that level, high level, for, for a lot of years. So. I don't know. There, there's there's a lot of moments. I, I think it, it, him coming to Atlanta in the transition to Winnipeg, I, I know it wasn't the easiest thing for him, but finding his way in Winnipeg and, and solidifying himself as one of the top right wingers in the game, I think was the whole aspect and journey of just watching him come to that point. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's more probably off-ice stuff that I think about than, than on-ice. He's a great friend. Um, you know, our kids are similar ages. Our wives are close. Um, so uh, there's like, you know, my, my kids still, his oldest and my oldest still jump on the iPads and play play Minecraft or whatever game they're playing these days. So <laughs> there's still that connection. So I, to me, it's kind of the whole the whole journey and that whole relationship that I've, I've built with Blake. I think that means the most to me. And, um you know, it's probably a big reason why I'm proud of of him hitting this milestone, and I know how much that means to him and his 
kids and, and uh, his wife as well. I mean, it was one of those things when when uh, Lad left. Um, it wasn't really a question, you know. No one was talking about it. We knew he was going to be the captain. Um, mm-hmm. He just, you know, fits that mold so perfectly. I mean, he's he's a role model for younger players to kind of look at when they come to the rink every day and you know see their their captain, you know, in the gym or on the ice early working on stuff. Um, you know, always trying to get better. Um, no matter how successful he is or how many points he's put up, he's always trying to find ways to be better. And, uh, you know, not just on the ice, but, you know, trying to help guys and, and being a mentor, you know, to the younger guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's just one of those guys that's a, a natural, natural, as natural leader as you can get. It's the weight of the games. Um, i say it a better way than that. There's players that could play, have played a thousand games, could probably play 5,000 in a, in a style, right? Stay out of traffic. Good players. Um, but he's been an in-traffic player, full sprint, every practice, every game. So it's not just the games. It's the days that you prep. It's the summers that you put in. To drive his body as hard as he has, to be as prolific as he has, that's what I take away from it. The handful of guys that are like that, Rod Brindamore was like that. Uh, Matt Sundin, you know, drove himself real hard, learned how to compete heavy like that. Like those guys, because they play like that, carry a thousand games injured an awful lot. Right? Broke a bone in his foot, ribs, just a whole bunch of things that that you know you just marvel at his ability to go out and play at. He's played hard games. It's a thousand the hard way. When it's all said and done, you know, I'll say wow, you know, like and. Uh, you know, it's just so hard. You know, you're preparing for a game at the end of the day. Like, it, you, ha- it, it is a game. you got to play the game. So, um, you know, you don't spend too much time reflecting. You don't spend too much time down memory lane because ultimately it's a, you got to perform tonight. And, um, you know, it has uh, to answer your question, not yet. Like, I haven't spent a whole lot of time, I think, uh, you know, having my parents in town, having my agent in town, you know, I've been with my agent for a lot of years and we've been through a lot together. So just reflecting with some of those people a little bit and just the people that have been in, been in your corner from day one. Um, but, uh, I, I think the best is yet to come. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel. I feel that way about our group. Um, and that's where my focus is. I'm just having a blast with this team. Um, and, uh, we take care of each other like you saw tonight and, they took care of me and performed and got a hell of a win. So it was, you know, made it a great night. Winnipeg Jets fans, did you know that online 50-50 tickets presented by PlayNow.com are available for all Winnipeg Jets games? That's right. Whether the Jets play on the road or at home, you can participate in the game day 50-50 draw. The winner will take home half of the jackpot with all proceeds in support of the True North Youth Foundation. Remember to buy your tickets on all Jets game days at WinnipegJets.com slash 50-50. Like we mentioned, uh, a fantastic evening at Canada Life Center. And one of the coolest things that the that the Jets franchise has done is last season, they gave Paul Stasny's uh, little ones some mini silver sticks. Blake Wheeler's uh, trio got some so- silver sticks of their own. Um, I played mini sticks growing up. That'd be pretty sweet. 
<laughs> I thought what Wheeler said after the game was quite funny about the fact he's like, he's like, it was really nice that they got them. And now I'm thinking we're going to have to keep an eye on those kids with those sticks. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since they got some weight funny. to them. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty good. Paul, was the mini stick uh, around when you were just a young tyke? <laughs> <laughs> or did you just you know, play honestly, with the sticks just, in, the, in the yard? Yeah, it just came into existence. Uh, but I played in the silver stick hockey tournament in Bloomington, Minnesota, twice as a 12-year-old and as a 14-year-old. It was a great tournament from everywhere. I mean, all throughout the Midwest of the United States and then all kinds of teams from Canada would go down as well. It was a big tournament, always around Christmas. And uh, they don't have it anymore, but uh, I do remember that uh, that tournament. I might have a stick from that tournament kicking around somewhere or maybe down in my parents' basement. Um, I don't have those uh, souvenirs like I used to. But yes, mini sticks were around, but not as popular <laughs> as they are now in my day. What are you guys suggesting here? Hey, oh, I didn't say anything. Is that a is that a veiled shot? Tyler? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Depends how you want to take it. <laughs> All right, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have some business to take care of uh, this week. They close out a four-game homestand with a matchup against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes taking on uh, Evgeny Svechnikov's brother, Andrei Svechnikov. So I'm sure there's be some fantastic words exchanged there. And then, uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, the Winnipeg Jets heading out west again. Uh, they'll take on the Seattle Kraken at uh, Climate Pledge Arena. That's on Thursday evening at 9 p.m. Central Time. And then right back at it the next night on Friday up in Vancouver, 9 p.m. once again there. So another back-to-back on the Jets schedule this week. Mitchell, just uh, what are you most excited about this week? Obviously a big matchup to close out the homestand, but uh, kind of a cool one to take on the, uh, the expansion franchise. Yeah, I mean, nice for the Winnipeg Jets to start seeing some success against uh, the Eastern Conference opponents. Uh, it was a little bit of a struggle at the start of the year against non-conference opponents, but they seem to have found their stride a little bit. will be interesting to see if Andre Svechnikov does play. He didn't play in Carolina's last game against Buffalo on Saturday. So just for the storyline, it would be nice if the two uh, brothers could play against each other on Tuesday. I'm sure they've both been looking forward to it. So see how that goes. But Carolina having just another good year, once again, at the you know near the top of the National Hockey League's uh, standings in terms of the, the possession stats and the amount of shot attempts that they generate. They've always kind of been that way, especially the last couple of seasons. Third in the Metro as we record this. So uh, just a really good team that's had some success on the road as well. So that's not going to be an easy hockey game for the Winnipeg Jets. But the way that they're playing, I think, you know, you're, you've are you got some momentum. You've got some confidence in that room after the tough skid. I think uh, that's going to be a real good matchup on, on Tuesday at Canada Life Center. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets. You'll want to see that hockey game. Always good games between the Jets and the Hurricanes. And then, like you said, back out west, really excited to see the the new arena in Seattle. Um, just because, I mean, all the the photos that you see of it, it's weird not to see one singular scoreboard in the middle of the ice. They've got two kind of off in each end zone, so that's going to be something interesting to see. I'm always a little bit of a of a rink nerd as well, just to kind of see how people how they how different franchises do different things. So. Looking forward to seeing that. Um, and then also, then you go into Vancouver, a team that's undergone a lot of change, especially over the last 24 hours or even 12 hours as we record this, bringing in Bruce Boudreau as a new coach. So uh, just based on some of the reports that I've been seeing this morning, uh, already making some some line changes and whatnot. So 
I think the Vancouver Canucks are going to be a, a much different team um, than what the Winnipeg Jets saw a little under a month ago. So that's going to be an interesting one. And of course, anytime you're playing back-to-backs, it's always a little bit of a challenge, but uh, this time the Jets will be at least playing those back-to-backs both in the same time zone as opposed to some of the other back-to-backs they've had this season. So it uh, will be an interesting matchup. The Jets, of course, wanting to avenge a loss to the Vancouver Canucks a little bit earlier. So uh, they'll be a motivated team uh, throughout this week for sure. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and assume that uh, you probably saw the helmet presentation video following the uh, the game against Toronto on Sunday night. Obviously, Logan Stanley getting that and uh, some great locker room moments there as the, the, the whole team raised their arms in the air to kind of make fun of Logan as he went off the ice uh, to close out uh, his evening anyway uh, after he had a little skirmish with uh, Wayne Simmons. Paul just... You can tell that this group adores Logan uh, and, you know, they, they really enjoy having him in the room and on the ice. Just how do you put a value on him and what he brings, not only on the ice, but just the toughness as well. And just off the ice, it just seems like this is a guy that really galvanizes and really brings people together. Well, you know, he was a project when they picked him. And he was part of the Patrick Line draft and he was a first round pick. And I believe it was a pick that they got in trading Andrew Ladd to Chicago. So they had two picks that year in 2016 and it took him a little while to develop. And usually big guys like that do right. He's six foot seven. So just stepping in right away was not going to be in the cards for him, but he went back to junior. And then in talking to him this week in a one-on-one environment, He said something that I thought was very sincere and genuine the way he said it. He said that the two years that he spent with the Manitoba Moose in the American Hockey League were invaluable to him and his development. And it really helped him springboard to get to a full-time NHL job last year in the 56-game schedule. And now he's looked at with even more, I think, responsibility and importance to the whole group because of what he does, moves the puck, he's physical, he's also a guy that can skate it, he also is very good defensively, and he has, as Paul Maurice likes to say, that element of being tough in the back pocket. Doesn't always have to go out and fight somebody every game, doesn't necessarily even have to fight, but he does know now that others have seen him get engaged in that, and that if you're going to kind of tussle with him that you better be prepared because maybe a glove or two might come off. So Logan's really got a lot of assets for the jets and he could be here for a very long time. And this is, I don't want to put comparisons on him, but I think we need to look at what he could become. Could he become a Victor Hegman that is maybe a little bit more tough and grittier than Victor Hedman from Tampa? Sure. Could he become as a Dano Chara? Yeah, absolutely. That size, the ability to move the puck. And Zidano took a little while for him to develop. I mean, you got to remember he was drafted by the Islanders. And then we really noticed him when he came on the scene in Ottawa. But it wasn't until he got to Boston that really he flourished as one of the premier defensemen in the National Hockey League. So for Logan Stanley, I think the future is very bright. But there's a lot of assets there. And when you go as a 23-year-old and battle like you did for your team in that Toronto game, And then you have that effusive sort of passion that came through that was all natural and organic. The the team loves that. And they rallied around it. That's why they called him last year, 
you know, Logan Stanley, the Stanimal, right? I mean, he, that's why you get those nicknames because guys, he's endearing and they're endeared to him. And he's just one of many layers of team toughness the Winnipeg Jets have now. When you think about Brendan Dillon, Logan Stanley in the back end, Adam Lowry, even when you have guys that, that play hard and aren't afraid to back away and Jansen Harkins and Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's a lot of team toughness with this Winnipeg Jets team. And I don't care what anybody says. As you move along in the 82-game schedule and get into the postseason, you have to have a very sturdy element of that on your team. Otherwise, you will get pushed around. The Jets do not. Uh, it's not often we get to break news and air quotes uh, on ground control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, it's come out uh, this morning on Monday that Riley Nash uh, of the Winnipeg Jets has been placed on waivers. Uh, so that will look to play itself out in the next 24 hours. Uh, you'll be able to be kept up to date on all Winnipeg Jets social channels as to how that ends up going. Uh, that just about wraps it up here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. On behalf of myself, Tyler Esquivel, Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds, I just want to remind all our listeners to go and have fun and be responsible. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. Proceed, we're able.